My friends, hear a word that we can never hear too often. A word that we need to hear every day, in every circumstance, for our condition and for everything that is happening to us. The Apostle Paul writes, From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. You know that expression, well, we're only human? Paul is saying, not anymore, not because of what Jesus did. Even though we once knew Jesus from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, interceding for us, and his grace pours out to us. So, so, because of that, if anyone is in Christ, Paul's favorite expression, and we are, we are in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel because of what God did for you in Jesus Christ, what he did for me, what he did for us all, we are a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. Tell it to the world, in Jesus Christ, in him alone, we have new life. Amen. We are in the five solas in this series, the, the five solas of the Reformation. And sola means only. Today we are looking at sola fide, as you just heard the choir singing about, through faith alone. There's something powerful about considering these five pillars that hold up our faith and our life in Jesus Christ through that, that ancient language of, of Latin. And I, I, I'm reminded, uh, even as we do that, that uh, as good Presbyterian pastors, we are trained to read Greek and Hebrew. So I always found it rather ironic that they printed our, our diplomas in Latin. <laughs> <laughs> but today we're going to look at how God's Word leads us into knowing what faith actually is, and therefore how we open that gift. So join me, if you will, please, in Romans chapter 4, in the letter to the Galatians, and then to the Ephesians. But first, in Romans 4, Paul writes these words very simply, verse 4 and 5. Now, to one who works, to one who earns, wages are not reckoned as a gift, but as something due. But to one who without works trusts him who also justifies the ungodly, such faith is reckoned as righteousness. Let me read that second verse 5. But to one who without works trusts him who justifies the ungodly, such faith is reckoned as righteousness. We're going to look at how God justifies us apart from what we can do. And in the letter to the Galatians, Paul writes these words in the second chapter, words about, again, what faith really is. Verse, just verse 16 of chapter 2. Yet we know that a person is justified, that's just as if I'd never sinned. We know that a person is justified not by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And we have come to believe in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified 
by faith in Christ and not by doing the works of the law because no one will be justified by the works of the law. And then finally, the cornerstone of the Reformation, these words in the letter to the Ephesians, verses 8 through 10 of chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are what God has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May God cause us to realize we are his workmanship, his poem that quite literally says, and may we delight in that as we attend to this word about the gift of faith. Let's pray. Father, let your good news come now and find us, not only in word, but in power, in your Holy Spirit and with the full assurance that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts would be truly acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock and you are our salvation. And so we pray these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let me ask you a really important question. What would you do if you knew you had to do something and knew you didn't know how to do it and never would know how to do it. And there's no one else that you can call. You can't call the plumber. You can't call the fix-it person. What would you do if you knew you had to do something and knew you didn't know how to do it? Now, some of us would call that hopeless. If you couldn't call someone, what's a lifeline, I use your lifeline? No. But, here... The gospel of Jesus Christ takes us right into that situation, and Jesus calls this situation hopeful. It's when we don't know that we actually are most hopeful, because we're not trying to DIY, which stands for do it yourself. I think I shared with some of you recently, I was trying to do something that seemed impossible until I stopped to realize I was trying to do it backward. I was trying to put the piece in backward. And when I finally stopped and turned it around, it came right together. See, today we, we encounter what Christian faith really is. And as we do, we find that faith in God and faith alone invite us to something that from our human old nature is completely backward. But when we stop to look at it, we realize that's where everything fits together. When we realize that God's ways are backward from the human ways. As I read long ago, this has always stayed with me, from uh, Douglas John Hall. He said, real faith, like real wisdom, can only really occur at even tide. In other words, in the middle of the night, at the darkest moment, when it seems like everything is utterly impossible. That is, it occurs in that darkness where human beings have come to the end of their know-how. This is what the Reformers taught us 
faith was 1,500 years ago, and it's a lesson that needs to be relearned today. It needs to be learned in the halls of Congress. It needs to be learned in the pews of the church. It needs to be learned on our streets that only when we surrender to the faith that comes from belonging in every way to Jesus Christ will we really have hope, no matter what it is. Here's the key to this. Here's the cornerstone. Faith is a gift. Faith is a gift. The reason Martin Luther and a generation after him, John Calvin, our forebearer as Presbyterians, said that faith alone is our hope for eternity is because the Bible says so. And because human experience confirms this. Do you think we would be in the difficult situation today that we are, let's say as a nation, let alone as a world, if we were fully relying upon faith in God? No, we wouldn't. But we're relying upon ourselves and we're relying upon people to get along. How's that working out? Anybody picking up on that? It's not working out. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's what Hebrews 11.1 tells us. Faith is marked by trust. Faith is not some ethereal, nebulous sort of way of thinking. It, is bed, it has its bedrock in absolute trust. It is evidenced by our action. It's like the little boy who was out hiking with his dad and un, unbeknownst to his dad, jumped off of a boulder and flew into his dad's unsuspecting arms. And his, his dad said, why'd you do that? And he said, because I knew you'd catch me. That's, that's what real faith is. That's trust. I jumped off because I knew you would catch me. It was not blind. It was grounded in something bedrock. He knew his father was trustworthy. Genesis tells us at the very beginning, our whole identity is wrapped up in this, that Abraham trusted God, had faith in him, and it was enough. It was counted as righteousness. Not just righteousness like, oh, you got it right but righteousness in terms of that's the character of God. He trusted God and they became one. They became friends. The Greek word for faith, from which we get our word epistemology, there's a big fancy word, the study of faith. The Greek word for faith tells us that it is that which causes trust. Faith causes trust. Faith produces trust. Faith enables us to trust and therefore act beyond our abilities. It's a gift. Faith gives us, gives us. We don't earn it. We've just read three passages that tell us that. We do not earn the ability to trust God. God gives us the ability in faith to trust him. Or should I say, faith gives abilities we would not have. I want to share with you a story that I, I think I've shared with some of you in the past. It's been with me since I was a young man, but I looked it up uh, this week on the internet, and there's actually photographs of this event. It's, this is not a, a fairy tale. In the 1860s, some of you remember the 1860s. <laughs> Vern. <laughs> I, I bring them up because, of course, that was the time of the, our, our great Civil War, which was not great, but it was horrendous. And it was a time of horrible unrest among Americans, not unlike what we're facing today. We've got a civil war going on. And it, during that time, 
a man by the name of Charles Blondin became very famous. He drew people's attention by walking on a tightrope across that he'd stretched across Niagara Falls. Now, some of you have seen that. It's a long way across. I, th I think it's 300 yards. It's 900 feet. And he didn't do it just one time. He did this routinely. He did it in a lot of different ways. He carried somebody on his shoulders. He stopped in the middle of the tightrope, sat down in a chair, and, and ate an omelet. <laughs> yeah, there's pictures of this. But one day, when a huge crowd had gathered once more to see him do this, he asked how many people believed he could push a wheelbarrow across the tightrope to the other side. And, and, and he asked, with someone in it. Not just push a wheelbarrow, but with someone in it. And the crowd had seen him do these kinds of amazing things, and they all shouted with one voice, We believe! We believe! Go for it! And he said, okay, quiet. Who's going to get in the wheelbarrow? <laughs> yeah, real story. Real story. And he waited, and he waited, and somebody finally got in the wheelbarrow. And Charles Blondin took that man across without stopping, came straight across to the Ni across Niagara Falls safely. To have faith is to trust that the one pushing the wheelbarrow is trustworthy and capable of getting us to the other side of the eternal sense, but also in the daily sense. To have trust is to believe that the one pushing the wheelbarrow is Jesus Christ. And he knows exactly what he's doing and where he's going. And he knows the circumstance and he knows what he's up against. And he knows how to get us there. You see, belief is intellectual. Oh, we believe, we believe, they said. Trust is visceral. Trust is a matter of action. It shows in the faith that it takes to climb into that wheelbarrow of Jesus because we know we need to be on the other side and we know we cannot get ourselves there. And that's why we get in, because we know we need to be on the other side. On the other side of whatever it is we're facing, worry in the middle of the night, sorrow in grief, the economy of a nation. Where does faith come from? Often we may think, we tend to think, we make faith happen. Well, faith comes by pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, by having courage. That it comes from, in fact, nothing less than getting down on our knees and receiving. That's the reality with faith. We do not make faith happen. It's a gift. We get down on our knees, and the best we can do is to receive what God has for us. Faith itself is a gift that comes from God, and the best we can do is to acknowledge our need by surrendering and receiving it from God and saying, okay, you tell me what I need and where I need to go and how I need to get there. It comes from realizing we need to get somewhere and be somewhere and be someone that we cannot get ourselves and cannot make ourselves. Faith is the mark that we can't earn or gain what we need most, and so we trust God's offer to do for us what we cannot do. As Paul says to the Romans, if we could earn it, 
It would not be a gift. But what we need has to be a gift because we cannot earn it. It has to be a gift we rely upon. Now, at the center of this is the humility, the humble admission that comes from knowing we don't know what we need to know. We don't know what we need to know. We can't do what we think we need to do. And so by faith, we have to come in trust to believe that God is faithful, that he's always got enough faith to give us exactly what we need. We receive it because we have come to the end of our know-how. And there's the confession, and there's the reception. We don't have any more know-how. Martin Luther had spent his life, like so many of us, trying to be good enough trying to have enough know-how, trying to figure out a way that he could be the one who would be good enough for God. And like us, Luther was tormented by never being quite good enough. It was not just a moral or a theological battle. It was a psychological one in which we all engage because there is a missing piece, P-I-E-C-E, P-E-A-C-E, in all of us, that tells us we need something more than we can gain no matter how much we do. And like Luther, we all need something to happen that we cannot manage, we can only receive. And, And that faith is what leads us to grace. It is the acceptance that comes from surrender, and surrender is not a normal human response. It is the opposite of everything our old nature tries to do. When the graceful light came on for Luther and for Paul, as it shines on us, that light shines. Luther and Paul both realized that those who know they are enough, those who know in their their gut that they are enough, know it for one reason. They have received a gift of faith that God says, I have taken care of everything. It's not a human metric. Faith is not something you can measure. You you can't whip out your card and go, hey, I got 98% faith. I've passed it. Look, I've got a license now. I've got a faith license. In fact, faith is not even something that can be measured by how we feel. What faith does is to impart to us from the outside apart from anything we can do, what we need, even when, especially when, we don't think we have it and don't think we deserve it. See, there's the power of faith. It's a gift. It says, you get this when you haven't qualified for it. This is the good news of the gospel. While we were yet sinners, while we were far away from understanding anything, God came in person and died for us. God imparts to us the ability to believe that his righteousness is ours for free. Everything that Jesus Christ is, is imparted to us. I love the story that Tony Campolo tells. We're all going to get to the end of of life, and God's going to look at our our book, and he's going to open the book, and under our name, guess what's going to be there? You know what's going to be there? What Jesus Christ did. Everything's going to be listed under your name, underneath Rex Baggett. It's going to say everything that Jesus said and everybody else. 
Bob Stansbury, Paul Douglas, Jenny Scanlon, Ron Roberts, underneath your name, it's going to say your, the things that Jesus did. And, and God's going to look at us with a twinkle in his eye and he's going to go, Stansbury, did you really do all this? <laughs> and Bob's going to go, don't look at me, Lord, it's your book. <laughs> it's your book. Jesus Christ has done that, and by faith we receive that. Listen, when Charles Blondin got across Niagara Falls with that man in the wheelbarrow, I don't think he brought that man back. Not because he couldn't, and not because the man didn't trust Blondin, but I think it was because that man knew by faith he was where he needed to be and he didn't have to go back. I think that man spent the rest of his life telling people about how he got where he was. How'd you get over here? Charles Blondin brought me in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> Talk about transforming. And we're going to do the same thing. Somebody's going to say, how did you get to where you are? You have hope. You have peace. You have contentment. You shouldn't have. There's things going wrong in your life. How can you be this way? Well, let me tell you. Jesus put me in a wheelbarrow and took me someplace I didn't even know I needed to go. And I thought it was the craziest thing I'd ever done, but it was the smartest thing I'd ever done. We don't need to try to do anything more. We don't need to be smarter than we were before because we won't be, but we will be wiser, and that's what faith does. It shows us where we don't have, what we don't have to go back to. We don't have to go back to who we were before because the faith Jesus gives us in taking us to the place he knows we belong is a gift that makes us, what we've just read this morning, a new person. <laughs> I'll tell you what, when that man got to the other side of Niagara Falls, he looked a lot different. <laughs> he felt a lot different because he was a lot different. And that's the reality of what happens when we're in Jesus Christ. Faith is where the freedom Christ offers is lived out. It shows us how we don't need what we thought we had to have. We don't need to be who we thought we needed to be. And it sets us free, in, in, in turn, to be who we really were created to be as those for whom Jesus Christ gave his life. Faith is meant to be experienced before it is meant to be described. And that happens by living what God does and living out what God has done. So what does faith look like? What, does, what freedom does it afford us that we can receive and pour out for other people? Well, I'll tell you. This is what happened to Martin Luther when he got to the other side of Niagara Falls. You know what happened? Martin Luther, who had been a Roman Catholic monk, got married. And, and then he had a bunch of kids. And then he started making beer. And then he invited a bunch of his friends over to talk about what freedom in Christ really looks like and changes us in day-to-day -day living and how it calls us away from the conformity to the world. It makes us real people. It causes us to stop trying to save ourselves. For each of us, this, may be very, this will be very personal. It will be unique to us, and yet it is universal in what Jesus came to give us with his life and his death and his resurrection that enables us to get into that wheelbarrow, 
and go to the place where our lives are different and complete and our evidence that what God gives is real. People will look at us and go, didn't you used to be? And you go, yeah, I did. I used to be on the other side, but I'm over here now, and it's because Jesus got me here, and he's getting me where I need to go. This comes from knowing the living Jesus Christ by faith, through the gift he gives, that he loves us enough to die for us so that we may have a new life, a life we knew we needed but never thought could be ours. It is through a a growing faith that comes through trusting Jesus Christ with everyday challenges of living so that we begin to discover the peace that Luther and Paul and people all around us know because they are living into the finished work of Jesus Christ in their everyday lives. We cannot, on our own, Believe enough in order to be whole. So let's just get over that one right now, okay? We cannot believe enough on our own to get over where we are. We can't talk or act or think our way into wholeness, the wholeness that is missing in our lives. Not going to happen. If, if we could, I suspect there would be a lot more people who live contented and complete lives who are giving themselves away to those they love and and even those they despise. If if we could do it on our own, we wouldn't be having this budget crisis that we're having that isn't really a crisis except the human character. But because of the gift of faith that supernaturally invades our lives from the cross of Jesus Christ, we can trust what God has done and is doing and will do and that that is more than enough to get us across the chasm of doubt and fear, of hurt and loss, of pain and disappointment from the life that we really need. It is in this trust that God gives, that faith takes up residence in us and makes us whole when nothing on the outside has changed. That's the power of faith. Our circumstance will not magically change when we receive the gift of faith in Jesus Christ. We will, Ed McMahon will not show up at your door, he's dead, um, <laughs> with a check and say, here, it's all paid for. This is the power of faith. Our circumstance will still be what it is. Illnesses may still exist. Our past is still our past. But by faith, the things that should make us sad or fearful or doubtful or bitter or addicted or unforgiving or selfish or greedy or compulsive, little by little, no longer have power over us because we trust foot by foot that Jesus Christ really is taking us across where we need to be and has and will. By faith in the one who lived and died for us. Little by little, none of what has had power over us does any longer. By faith in Jesus' ability to deliver us, we will find that day by day, we are new people who are defined not by what we have or haven't done or accomplished or even overcome, but we are defined by the love that God has for us in Jesus Christ who changes us in every chapter of life 
into who he died to make us from one degree of glory to another. Now, as we wrap up today, I realize that you may not think this is possible for you. You may think that this is just some preacher language. Maybe you think you can't do enough or have already done something that disqualifies you forever. If so, you know what? If that's you, that's a good place to be. That's a good place to be. Because when we don't think it is possible or that we aren't able to make our lives complete, when we think all is lost, that is precisely the place where the truth of God's activity on our behalf has room to begin the great work of faith. It's when we think we've lost all hope. It is in this moment of our coming to our end that our nothing plus God's everything makes us whole. Our nothing plus God's everything. So let me ask you this. Is this a trade you're willing to make? You're nothing for God's everything? I hope so. I hope so because it is the beam of the cross, a pillar of the reformation, the reformation of all of our lives that will never fail us because everything else, even when everything else fails, that will not fail us. May this be the free gift we allow ourselves to receive today and every day and every night for the rest of our life. May God be glorified and may someone say, did I just see you going across Niagara Falls? <laughs> Amen. Father, thank you for being so practical with us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to do so physically for us what we could never do in any way for ourselves. And thank you that we get to show that great gift of eternity and eternal hope to the world because of who you are. In your precious name we pray.